Welcome to the Education Over Debt Podcast. I'm Sheena Hogan. I'm so glad you joined. This is a place where I give practical financial tips that anyone can understand and you can begin to implement now. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, and turn your notifications on so that you are aware of any new content that we drop. Listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts and on Spotify. You can become a subscriber for as little as 99 cents per month. Be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platforms. Today, we will be talking with Dennis Williams, who is one of the founders of Pops Passion, a nonprofit organization here in Charlotte, North Carolina, that, see- that seeks to serve the community by providing an upward hand to mobility. Please help me welcome to the show, Mr. Dennis Williams. You know, I, I do my own little praise dance for a little <laughs> second. But uh, at first off, Shane, thank you so much for allowing me to participate in this conversation. I'm excited to be here. And I cannot wait to share what little bit of information that I do possess. Well, thank you for that, Dennis. How about we just jump right in? Tell us a little bit about yourself and your story. Yeah. So um, it's interesting when you talk about story because I've got tons of it. But I I guess I'll start in the high school cafeteria. And I'll tell you, don't be afraid to try new things. And so the reason I say that is both my parents are, are hedge, heavy in education. They both went to HBCUs. One graduated from Central. The other one graduated from Winston-Salem State. And for me, I felt growing up that I was going to a HBCU too. Like it was no doubt in my mind that I was going to either end up at Central or Winston-Salem State. And I was going to go to class and I was going gra- to graduate with a degree and be just like everyone else in my family. Well, at high school, one day at lunch, they were broadcasting and recruiting for a lacrosse team. And I ended up joining the team because my friend said it would be cool and we should do it. And he did not play and I ended up playing. But from that, I was able to go to college and play college lacrosse at Greensboro College, um, which is probably about an hour and a half outside of uh, Charlotte, which is a small little private school. Uh, I was blessed to go and and graduate without any student debt. Um, And the really cool thing about, like I said, is I learned a lot of the things that I do today uh, from my teammates, my coach, and the opportunity that I had at Greensboro College. While I was at Greensboro College, I actually had the opportunity to start working with a great organization uh, called Mattress Firm. You guys um, probably have seen them on every corner. You've probably asked the question of why are there three on each corner? Um, and I was a part of a lot of that. And so when I started at Mattress Firm, I was a part I was a part time associate. I went to school and I played lacrosse. So I was quite busy. I stayed with Mattress Firm for about two years while I was in school. And I had a conversation with the guidance counselor really around what my future looked like. And the guy that was training me was making over $100,000 in what he was doing. And the guidance counselor just didn't believe that was possible. And so she put doubt and fear in my mind. And I ultimately left the organization for a little bit. And so in the course of the time that I was gone, um, I ended up coaching for Page High School and UNC Charlotte. And I coached lacrosse for, for both, uh, both organizations and ultimately found out that I was missing my friends and I was missing the excitement that I had while I was at Mattress Firm. And so I rejoined and that really took me off on the journey that puts me in the chair today. When I rejoined Mattress Firm, I had the opportunity to rejoin the team in Phoenix, Arizona. And I stayed out in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, probably through one of the worst climates that you could have been a part of. It was roughly about 
2008 when the bottom fell out. Nobody had a job. Everybody was having foreclosed homes. And I was in charge of recruiting for our team. And so we were at Jobs Arena trying to get folks in. And it was a really great experience. But a lot of the things that I did in Phoenix as an area manager, I didn't get paid for. I, the, the, I didn't get monetary um, compensation for it. What I was able to gain was tons of experience that ended up paying off for me later on in my career. From Arizona, I had the opportunity to move back into Greensboro, where I first served as a part-time sales associate. And we did some pretty incredible things uh, at the mattress firms right there in Kernersville, Winston-Salem, and Greensboro. One of the really cool things that we did is we were able to set a record for the industry. Nobody had ever done this before this day, and that was sell over $100,000 on one single day in mattresses. And I know you guys are like, wait a minute, they, somebody spent that much money on? Yes. So the first year that the company charged us with the task, we did $107,000, and so we exceeded our goal. Uh, and then the follow-up year, we did roughly $113,000. And both of those were on Labor Day Mondays. And so uh, if you don't think the sales are real and you don't think the sales are good, a whole bunch of people those two days thought they were spectacular. And that was the first time that had ever been done in our company's history. That allowed for me to have the opportunity to go out to Beaumont, Texas. And if you're not familiar with Beaumont, Texas, you will probably be familiar with UGK and Bun B. And um, so they are the big names from the small town that represents Beaumont. And so I went out there and it was it was probably like one of the shows you you've seen on TV where somebody just drops you off in the woods and they tell you how to get they tell you to find your way home. And so really, we were put out there with no resources and tons of power. And we ended up building from no locations out to seven locations, closing 10 competitors and really carving out roughly 24% market share for our organization in that area. And so from there, the company was like, man, you're, you're crushing it here. So let's bring you into Houston where our corporate office was. And, and, and when I went to Houston, it, it was a great time because I got to see, sit with some of the C-suite Right. So your CEOs, your CFOs, your chief business officers and learn from them. Uh, and then I also had the opportunity to run the largest district in the whole entire organization. And so the responsibility that I had at, at that time in my, my young 30s um, was was really remarkable. And it was really sweet because we would have, as I said, the C-suites come by our stores uh, and just pop up. And, and the reviews were really great at that time. I had probably been managing teams for six, seven years, and I began to get an itch for something slightly different. And so as a district manager, you are the be all to your employees success. You teach them how to do the job. You go in and coach them and you try to perfect their their performance. And if not, ultimately uh, help them with some corrective action to hopefully get them straightened out. Where I had a change is I had a, a deep affection or passion for really just the education piece and teaching employees how to become better and make more money at what they were doing. And so I ended up joining the training department and in the training department, I served in a role called uh, market development manager, which brought me back to Charlotte. And when I came back to Charlotte, I had the responsibility of learning and development for roughly 85 stores and all the associates that were in it. And so that would hire, that would contain new hire, it would continue, contain uh, continued education and any other meetings that were within that time frame. 
in the course of serving in that role, one year I was able to train over 5,000 associates in the organization and spent time in San Diego, Seattle, uh, let's call it Philly, New York, and um, Chicago. And so I got to travel United States on the company dime and meet tons of cool people and share the experiences that I had. But ultimately, I spent 17 years there with my last stint being in New York, where I served in Brooklyn as well as Manhattan. And so, you know, from Beaumont, Houston, Greensboro, Charlotte, Manhattan, Brooklyn, I've had the opportunity to travel. I've had the opportunity to work in different marketplaces. um, And I've had the opportunity to meet some really, really cool people. But ultimately, as you saw, the passion for educating led me into a different role for a short period of time. Uh, That same itch came back during the pandemic. And so during the pandemic, I was having time to reflect and really figure out what my purpose was in life. And and ultimately, it's always been the same. It's been taking the knowledge that people have poured into me and giving it to others so that they can better themselves. And so we started, and I say we, my family and I started our organization called Pop's Passion. And Pop's Passion is really a really simple thing to get behind. The POP stands for purpose over profits. So when we're going into our meetings and we're having discussions on how we're going to do this and how we're going to do that, and if money gets tight, it's a real simple discussion for us because as soon as we bring up the pops, everybody gets refocused and they understand that we are here to execute a mission and a vision, and it's not about the money. And so if it causes for us to have to go out and ask a, a donor for, for an extra couple dollars, we'll go out and ask a donor for an extra couple dollars because that's what our people are counting on us to do. And so others, I, wanted, I wanted to jump in real quick. And so ahead. with the POTS passion and the upward mobility, um, what do you think or what is your new world's driving force for the impact for the children or the the communities that you serve in regards to upward mobility? What are you guys looking for them to do in regards to upward mobility? Well, so our we've got a two-pronged approach, right? And so we've got a, um, a long-term approach and we have a short-term approach. We focus on two areas. One is educational support. And then the other one is uh, emergency assistance. Our emergency assistance is our short-term approach. We're able to go in and instantly help people with utility bills, uh, rent payments, anything that relates around staying in the house and making sure that they're able to take care of their families. The, the long-term approach is our educational services, and our, which are broken down into two things, our summer camps and our clubs. And our summer camps and our clubs, our club is designed really to help with mental health. Um, one of the things that we realize, and, and this is a generational thing, and, and some folks on here may realize, may, may think the same thing, but when I grew up, there was only the TV that was in the living room and, you know, my dad had the remote and everybody knew what we were watching. Today, we just hand the child a tablet or a cell phone and then go into their room and watch anything that they can type into the screen. And so a lot of times they're left to decipher that information alone. A lot of us adults that are on this call understand that life happens in cycles and nobody is immune to anything. And a lot of things that we suffer, other people suffer too at different times. And so what we try to do in our clubs is take the kids, allow for them to have peer-to-peer conversation, show them that the things that they're going through is not just only happening to them and it's happened to other people 
and they too have survived it. And hopefully we can help create some peace there. With our summer camp, we focus on two, two competencies. The two competencies are really around reading and, and math. And so I learned at a very early age how, how important reading was. Uh, I was in the kitchen with my grandmother uh, and we were getting ready to bake a cake. And I said, Grandma, how, you know, how, we, how do we make the cake? And she, she looks at me with this stern look and she's just like, do you know how to read? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, the instructions are on the box. She says, Dennis, anything you ever want to do in life, if you can read, there's instructions and directions on how to get it done. And so, you know, I, at a young age, understood the importance. As I continue to grow, I also understand and our organization understands the importance of making sure by third grade, children are reading at or above grade level simply because of what the output is, right? And so if they're not reading at grade level at the third grade, the chances for them to be arrested uh, increases dramatically. Uh, the opportunity for them to go to college starts to diminish. Uh, and those things are barriers to having upward mobility in life. Right. Thank you for sharing that with me. So in regards to, you mentioned a couple of things and I asked all my guests, it's kind of like, you talked about you working in sales a lot and then you transitioned over into education and with the nonprofit and everything like that. So when did you learn that money was funny in sales or in your current career now? So I, I learned money was funny like a couple different times. Like money's all, money can be funny if you don't, <laughs> if you can't handle it right. Um, the, the very first story, uh, I learned that money was funny. I was having a car ride with my dad when we were in college and we were headed back to campus and he, he starts talking about credit cards and I don't even know why he's talking about credit cards. And he said, man, credit cards are the craziest thing, especially for college kids. He's like, you know, tons of people give kids $300, $400, $500 on these plastic cards, but yet they have no job to pay for it. And so ultimately it, it hurts us. And so uh, one of the things I, I learned pretty early on is that it's very easy to spend money and it's extremely hard to earn and save money. But those are the things that we should be doing, right? So uh, tons of people will give you credit cards and, and so forth and put you into traps. Um, but I would venture to say that it would be wiser to, to put that money in the bank and then uh, kind of build it up. Because my second funny story is that I told you that I was at the last organization for 17 years and I did the dumbest thing. I did not invest in my 401k when I first started. And if you're talking about, hey, you want to make it, you know, you want to go from having a job to a career, those are about your actions, right? And so one of the things that will solidify you with an organization is investing in yourself and investing in a 401k. And what I did not realize is all the additional benefits that you receive from investing in a 401k. I thought they were just going to take money out my check. I was going to have less money to do things with. And ultimately, that wasn't the case. When they took the money out of my check, they actually lowered what the government was taxing me, which put a little more money back in my pocket. And then I was able to save money that I could do virtually anything with. I could borrow against my own 401k and pay it back. I could buy a house. I could buy a car. I could do literally whatever I wanted to without having to deal with a bank or truly having an interest rate or being in debt to really anyone other than myself. And so um, I would say credit cards, have a job, 
if you get a job, invest in a 401k. Um, because I will tell you, in my five years, I was able to save roughly a little over $40,000. If I was able to start when I was 17, uh, like when 17 years ago, when I was with the organization, when I first started, I would have probably had over $120,000. Um, and what made you decide to start saving? Like what was, did someone come talk to you or what, did something click or did your friends start talking about their 401k savings or what happened that made you start investing? It was setting the proper example, right? It's hard to ask your team to do things that you're not doing. And so we were asked to go out and, and sign folks up for, for the 401k plan with, it was part of our job. And, and so um, I believe in, setting proper examples. And, and so if I believed in investing in the 401k, I should invest in the 401k. Mm -hmm. And the crazy part is now I still have a friend that works there and I talk to him all the time. I'm like, Hey man, are you, are you putting money in your 401k yet? And he's like, no man. And I was like, that's the dumbest thing you, you could do it while you're at work. So. Okay. I was interested because it's funny just hearing people starting to save in their 401k and waiting so long to start or like we're all, almost 40 so some people are just starting now at 40 but if they had started maybe when they was a little bit younger they could be so much further ahead so um always just interesting to see maybe what got you moving into that direction to saving for in your 401k so um just moving along i guess since you shared with me your story of 17 years and now switching over to education and you're working with these young people now with your nonprofit, what do you think, um, or what do you, what do you, what advice would you give to a young person as they prepare to go to college or as they prepare for their career if they don't go to college? Yeah, I'll try to do both. So um, those that are on the college journey, make sure you develop your connections and you use the programs that the school offers. Right. And so a lot of times um, we just try to get through. And so we'll do our projects and we'll do the work that's assigned. But there's, you know, student unions, your guidance counselors, your teachers, they all have connections to someone in the business world. One, because they probably went to school there to school there or two, the organization's trying to make a connection with the university to fill a pipeline. And so I would get connected in those groups and use those vehicles to make connections that last well after school. Two examples, one is, is a real good friend of mine who, who, who was a teammate of mine at Greensboro College. Uh, when he was in college, he did an internship with a group called Hoop T. Who would have thought that that same group was connected to the Bobcats and the Hornets? Their close friend was Michael Jordan and he is now the marketing director down at the Charlotte Hornets, right? And so if he had never done the internship at school, we wouldn't be getting signed LaMelo jerseys today. Right. And so, you know, that's a program. This, the second program that I'll give you an example of is I had an intern work with me um, back in Houston. And the young lady two years ago was promoted into a district manager spot. I think she's 27 years old and making crazy money doing what she's doing. But that only happened because she was working through the programs that her school offered as well. And that allowed for her to connect with me, which provided mentorship to allow for her to develop. So uh, if you're on the college journey, use the tools that they have. You're already paying for them. Go in there and get your money's worth. Career journey. And this will probably, this, this does relate back to the college once you guys start going to work, but it's okay to receive help on the job. Right. Like ask for it. 
be inquisitive, ask great questions, right? So, you know, a lot of people say fake it till you make it. And um, I'm not, I'd, I'd never like to manage people that faked it till they made it because the, the thing that I had to do was go back and do their job the second time or either spend more time correcting their mistakes. And so if they had just spent the time on the front side asking for clarity or letting me know that I wasn't clear in how I explained the, the assignment, it would have saved us hours on the backside. And so what asking questions does is it also allows for you to find a mentor and mentors are key when you're talking about moving through your career, because if somebody's investing in you and you guys are building trust together as they move, what usually happens is you get to move too, right? And so make sure you find a mentor and not, not an old guy just sitting around his house, not working or doing anything. Find somebody who is passionate in the industry that you want to be in and has done what you want to do. And then you link up with that person and then you develop yourself through their knowledge so that you don't make the same mistakes. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I totally think that engaging while you're in college is very important. Um, a lot of times people think just going to college is getting that degree. But I try to encourage people it's about the connections you make while you're in college, whether it's your guidance counselors or your peers, because a lot of times people start businesses with their peers and then they go on to be successful. So college isn't all about just getting a degree, but also the relationships you build while you're there. And then the second point in regards to career, career advice, I do think it's important for you to ask for help while you're at the job and to really try to step outside the box. Don't try to be that person that's always looking for someone to tell you what to do. I mean, that's great, but at some point you need to step outside the box, ask for help, try to learn new things, do something outside of your job description so that you can grow in advance and be seen by others when you do that. If you're always just looking for your manager to tell you everything, then sometimes you're overlooked, right? I'll, I'll also say if you ever want to move into management, the ability to ask questions and ask questions different ways and ask the same to get to the same answer will separate you from other managers. Right. And so like the, the, the good managers are what we call ask managers versus tell managers. And so a tell manager will walk in and they'll say, Hey, do this, do this, do this, do this. An ask manager will say, Hey, well, that, that looks cool. Why'd you put that over there? Oh, that's a sweet idea. How'd you get to that idea? Right. And so if you want to truly extend your career, questions is the way to go. Yeah. Questions is the way to go. I just switched out of um, managing over to training. So I am finally out of management. I don't think that was my sweet spot, but uh, <laughs> I enjoy training so much. So I'm finally in a place where, you know, I really enjoy it and I can help others grow and develop by showing them how to do so. So before we go, because we're getting close to the end, I do want to ask you some rapid fire questions. It's only a uh -oh. few questions. Are you ready? But I'll try to do my best. All right. Paper or plastic? Uh, so I just moved back from Brooklyn and so they outlawed all plastic bags. So I'm a paper guy and I like to even take my own bag to the grocery store. All right. So I came from Chicago. Same thing. They cost the, um, to use their bags. So we had, I have my own bags too. So I, I three, <laughs> yeah, I had 35 real bags that I had to buy on mistake, you know, cause you forget. Uh -huh. you know, right. You know. Yeah. 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 Totally understand. Totally. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> so my next question, Martin or Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Ooh, I would have to go with Fresh Prince. 
Why? Because of the storyline? We're, we're talking about old school Fresh Prince, right? We're not yeah. talking about new school. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, when my hair was cut low and, and things um, back in the day, they said I resembled them a little bit. And oh. so, you know, I, <laughs> that's where I was going with it. Uh, so, you know. Uh, I'm a, I, okay. I'm a Will Smith fan um, all the way up to about four months ago, and then it became tested. You know, I don't know. You know, I'm not trying to make anybody upset today, but yeah. Okay, well, you know, people have you know challenges in life. He's been good all the way up until the last four months, so I don't think you should just throw him away. You know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, best career advice or best advice you've received. So best advice I ever received mm -hmm. was from a mentor of mine, Catherine Cobb. And it's when I came back to the organization and she goes, so what do you think was going to happen, Dennis? You thought we were going to stop selling mattresses when you left? We sold mattresses before you joined the organization and we'll sell mattresses after you leave. And I was like, whoa. So as good as I thought I was or I, as big of an impact as I thought I was making, I was just one piece of the big puzzle and I need to, I needed humility to see that. Right. And so one of the lessons that I learned was always stay humble. Okay. All right. That's good. And then my last question, if you were given $1 million today, what would you do with the money? I would invest it. Amazon stock just split. And I think Tesla's about to do a three to one split and they're currently at $640. If it gets down anywhere under 400 bucks, that's a great buy. And then at Amazon at $105 right now, like they're too big to fail, right? Like you're, if if something happens to Amazon, somebody would try to buy it. Like that business will always exist in some form or capacity. And even if it sells, they got to buy my shares too, right? So I would invest into the stock market and it's a long-term play. I'm a long-term guy. You said we're close to our forties. I can't be thinking about a Monday, Monday to Tuesday flip. I got to be thinking long-term. And so uh, I would probably invest the money into the stock market. All right. Well, you know, the stock market has on average for the past 25 years, a 9% rate of return. So that's a good investment. And also Google is um, up next for the stock split in July. Is it, is it right? yeah, Google is. Yeah. <laughs> so it's out there. So pay attention. I'm on the look. You, I, I don't know the date yet, but it's, it's, it's out there. Yeah, that's the a news. good look. I appreciate that. Any, <laughs> that. Now, that is a tip for upward mobility, right? It's just not going to show up. You know, if you put the money in on Tuesday, it's not going to show up on Wednesday, but it's going to show up as long as you play the game yes. right and watch your watch your numbers. So it will show up. Now it's just the, the thing of I think educating people on how to get started. I've been, where can people find you? So people can find us at popspassion.com. Uh, you're able to reach out to our website. We have all our connect our connectivity information on there. So you have our mailing address, uh, my personal phone number. Uh, our 800 number, and you are able to, if you would like to, go to our site and donate to our organization. All right. Well, you heard it from Dennis himself. Make sure you check out Pops Passion. All the information will be in the link below, so check us out. And thank you again for watching the Education Over That podcast. Stay blessed.